With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back with a crispy, fresh episode of Take It Personal. And this time, we're joined by special guest, Mr. Eon of the High and Mighty. Eon sits in with us as we take it back to the late 90s and early 2000s, where the indie era was extremely prominent. And now, let's welcome a man who was an intricate part of this indie era, Mr. Eon. Yo, just relax. Yup, y'all, y'all, y'all know the name, 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 name. Take, take, take it personal. Right now you're tuned in to take it personal, take it personal, take it personal. Y'all come here to put y'all up on something, man. The revolution is here. No doubt, no doubt. Yo, this is KRS-One, checking out the Take It Personal radio show. Yo, check it out, y'all. This is DJ Premier. Yo, yo, what's up? It's Black Thought from the legendary Roots Crew. And you checking out Take It Personal Radio. Radio, radio. Yo, check this out. This is Soul Brother number one, Pete Rock. Yo, yo, what's up? This is Diamond D representing Digging in the Crates right here on Take It Personal Radio. The best in hip-hop. You are now checking out. Y'all know the name. Boy, Falmont, you already know what it is. I want to give a big shout-out to Take It Personal Show. This is Chuck D. This is Flavor Flay, boy. And you checking it out. Take it personal. So, yo, do that. Right now, you listening to Take It Personal. Take it personal. Spitting that fly oh. shit, you heard? You heard? You heard. Yo, what's up? It's Eric Summon and Green Knight Bandit representing the EPMD. Here on Take It Personal Radio. This the truth. Check them out. Check them out. Check them out. Yo, what's up? It's your artist name, Cooley D. Checking out Take It Personal. You're checking out Take It Personal with my people. Y'all care anymore about this hip hop man? Ha 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 What you waiting for? Got, got a style, I'm mad, mad. Check it out, your boy MC Surgeon. Right now, you're checking out Take It Personal. It's not take, a game. Take It Personal. Personal. Uh, yo, ladies and gentlemen, right now, if you don't know what the fuck is about to go on, this is Take It Personal. With my boy, Full of Flavor, Kevlar, A. Aaron, Roger the Announcer, and DJ 360 with his stinking ass. This is Take It Personal, and we in the building, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, back from the break, and I'm going to take the ball right here and run with it like fucking Bo Jackson and Super Tech Mobile, because that's how we get down on this show, and we are privileged to have a pioneer from the indie era and a, a group that made a huge impact from the late 90s up through the mid-2000s. Mr. Eon from the High and the Mighty in the Eastern Conference Records. Welcome to the show, my man. Good to talk uh, to you. Thank you, man. Thank you very much for having me. From about, I don't know, what, 98 to maybe 05? Oh, they I were a force in the indie scene. 97, yeah. right? I yeah, think your first man, single came out wrong. in 97. Yeah, I think right at the end of like 96 and early 97, yeah. I remember sending Ed from Sandbox a check for your, your first single with Bobito. Really? Wasn't that your first single with Bobito? Hands well, on. We did, no, I think we did, well, I did the first one with Rashid, 
who is, uh, you know, ill-advised and all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's How I'm Living. That was on Rashid's uh, song. I think that was Quake City. I think that was Newt and those guys. Newt so, New Cohen. Yeah, that was the first appearance. And then we did, um, you know, like the first single. The first High and Mighty record was... Yeah, the first High and Mighty record was the, um, sing, uh, the single... Um, uh, cranial lumps and and you know those and hands-on experience, hands and, on experience. Uh, and then um the other zone and yeah that was that was you know that was amazing and uh being able to just you know jump right in like we it took us like you know basically moving to new york and like two years of my of mighty my kind of getting this foot in djing and like meeting like people and and then kind of just keep, kept making music. So we were lucky enough to kind of just start off like that. So E, from the jump, I, I, you know, you had mentioned Bob Ito, that single that you had done. Uh, most people don't know, but uh, let's talk about that early meeting with Bob, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, at uh, Boston University. He was throwing yeah. a party, and he, did he approach you and ask you to come up to KCR? I mean, what was the what was that story? And if you can elaborate, when you actually did go to WKCR, you know this is where they uh, had the stretch uh, stretch and Bobito show WKCR eighty nine Tech nine. We would love to hear a great story from those sacred walls. You know, good, bad, and the ugly ones. Yeah, for sure. Well, the whole thing at uh, at BU was dope. I think there was some show that he was um, putting on, and there was some girl who was like cute, who would like, who like, think she was like in some way we hung out with her and knew her, and then she like, you know, he. I think I don't know if he was trying to get with her or something, but like he was like rapping with her, and then he came over like he was just like in our crib and like we had we lived on uh we lived on marlboro street right off mass ave um and for whatever reason he came up and then it was like i remember like my was like yo bobito's coming and like you know think of something that's you know to rhyme about like try to you know rhyme for him in some way so i think it just came you know like real naturally because they're you know, like the Stretch and Bob whole thing is just, it's so like natural. Um, so he was just like, yeah, man, kick some shit. And I did. And he was like, okay. He was like, dope. He was like, you know, when you guys are in New York, you know, come through. And while that was happening, my, you know, was a big club DJ in Boston. And as, you know, he went and as we like graduated from BU, so that was like 93. And so we were still at BU, and then one time we went up there, and because Mai was like talking to Stretch, and like he started to like kind of you know get involved, um, just kind of with like the scene, even though we were still in Boston. Like we went a couple times to New York, and then I just remember going, just being like that time was just completely, you know, nerve wracking, because right. <laughs> I was like, you know, it was just you know. At that point, I didn't really know if I was going to have a whole hip-hop career and all that. Like, you're really <laughs> literally in college. And, you know, like 22 or whatever. And so doing that, that was like the hugest thing that told me I could do it, you know? And so, like, being able to actually, you know, go up there. First, you know, doing this for Bobito and rhyming for him and him thinking it's dope. And then to go there, and it was pretty good. I remember, like, if I look back... 
it was like in my weird cool Keith like weird voice thing. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's like you gotta go back and listen to it. Um but you know it was it was dope. And like then we went back there, you know, a lot of other times. And those were some of the more funny times where like, you know, ill like there wasn't a lot of room back there. Um, you know, a lot of stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun, you know. So they're they're synonymous with having like way too many heads inside the uh, studio at the time and right. people knocking on the door, trying to get in. Do you remember yeah. who was kind of up there or trying to get up there at the time? I mean, well, at that one, I think we just got in and I think me and my just went up one time. I don't know if we ever went up with uh, ill-advised and Rashid, but we, we went up. It was, I think it was just me and my, if I remember correctly. Um, but then like, you know, the other times when it was like, Camus, Cage, Yak Balls, you know, copyright me, and then Mai would be there, and like other people would be there. Um, those were crazy because you would have to shuffle in. Like you would have three chairs and like five dudes. And so here are the three dudes rhyme. You have to like rhyme and sneak off. And it was like this pattern. And then like <laughs> then it was it was funny. So that was you know, that, those were those were some funny times. It never really had any violent things there because they didn't really they weren't having that. But right. um, I remember like all the records there and stuff, and like Stretch would dig in there and stuff, and like I would look at the records sometimes in there too. Mr. E. Yeah, we got somebody else. I think we got Mr. E. Yeah, yo, yo. Pen to paper, the notebook, the caper. Elaborate sound blast, found the cross faders. Pencil me in when the enemy spin. F the cavalry, descending E in. Desperate times bring desperate measures. An ounce or eighth or a pint of whatever. Militant weed smoker, pass the jokers. Pocket full of sticky for a pocket full of cloners. The lab rat spit science and add to that. Got diseases most heads would laugh at. For all y'all, it's a world of hurt. When I'm held up in a compound just like Colonel Kurtz. Yes. Well, another big... DJ in New York at the time was Mark Ronson, and most people don't realize how underground he was at the time. Yeah, uh, he was playing at yeah. rehab. I used to DJ with him as well back in the day. And uh, there's a funny story, and I, I'd like you to tell it if you could, how yeah. he was, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was seeing Rashida Jones, uh, Quincy Jones's daughter at the time, and he had a big part in kind of getting you guys set up. Yeah, well, we, I think Mai had a big part in, like, kind of, the, you know, Mark is obviously musically talented, you know, and, but at that point, you know, A, he was younger than us, and DJ, you don't really know, but I, th I don't know, I guess they were seeing each other, or, yeah, but I know they lived together, and it was just like, you know, they didn't really, you know, they were very young. If I was, like, 25, they must have been, you know, 20-something, like, and so... My was kind of with, you know, Ronson and like Stretch, but like my kind of really would like go over blends and stuff. And like, obviously, you know, Mark picked it up right away and he was, you know, he became a big club DJ. But, you know, there was a time that we all, you know, we all hung out because they had this crazy crib. What it was is they lived together. But I don't know if they dated because it was weird. Like, but they had this like crazy crib that was like probably you know, 1997 or something, and it was, or 98, and it was just, you know, gigantic 
gigantic crib that these two young kids were at. But, you know, then it's like, oh, it's Quincy Jones' daughter. And not only that, when your dad's in foreigner, you're you're making yeah, you're, you got space, very, you, know, you know, you don't yeah, have those then, 600 square foot places. Yeah. Well, if so it was 1997, there was probably a 50 inch screen and money green leather sofas. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> and Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I remember because, you know, he's done. He's done like mixes and stuff on the on our really early records, and then you know she was in on Dick Starbuck, and you know she was on you know Rashida Jones was on some of our songs. So that all would just be how like we all hung out. It's like you know we had that's that's like what happened. So many aspects of our career, you know, just meeting a certain person through this person, and then like you know something amazing happening, you know. So we were lucky and we were in the right place at the right time and young and hungry and, you know, sort of talented. You guys grew up together in grade school. I know you went to the same grade school since like third grade or whatever. So you go way back. At what point did you actually say, hey, let's make some fucking songs together and see what happens? When did that happen? And, And at what point did you go, hey, I think we got something here? Well, in 1987... We went to the Beastie Boys, Murphy's Law, Public Enemy. Yeah, I was at that con. That was a great show. And what it was was walking into the Philadelphia Spectrum, which is, you know, like the garden in Philly. And I walked into, like, Public Enemy number one, the song. Hmm. So, you know, you don't even hear that, like, any of that kind of music. Like, whatever hip-hop you heard, I kind of just thought it was like, you know, with that... Like that. I was just, you know, we bugged out. Hmm. And then we had a talent show in May of 1987. And I think we have a picture of it. And we performed... And I, we just rhymed over that, and we did, you know, like, we were freshmen in high school, and we just, like, rapped on stage, but, like, did, like, you know, it was probably corny, but it was dope. And then, so that was, we were in ninth grade, we did, like, all the talent shows through senior year. Senior year, we had dancers, <laughs> and, like, you know, and, like, Ma was, like, doing, like, a whole, like, routine, and then we just, so then we, I went to Northeastern to start off in college and he went to BU and it was kind of just, it kind of just happened, but you know, it was good that we did. And then Milo in 1990, 91, we did some stuff and we recorded some stuff in Boston. But then in 92, my got an MPC 60 and then that was it. So he just started making beats and we just started making songs. And then, you know, in 94, 95, we moved to New York. So then we just kept doing songs in like 96. Like even the ones before, like uh, the first record, were kind of like, we really were progressing. Like, let's, you know, this is good, but let's like do this. And then like, my didn't even have like a really a p- equipment. And then we, in 92, we did. And that's when he just took off with, you know, production and learning that machine. And then, you know, as he built his studio. And so I think like 96, that's when we ran, you know, being in New York for two years and my DJ for two years. And he made, you know, awesome connections like Rich King at Fat Beats and the whole Fat Beats crew. Like we linked and we finally, you know, gave them something. And then they linked us with like LP 
and like Mike Zoot. And then we just were in that world. Like I was doing New Yorican Poets Cafe stuff and going to Fat Beat. So even though I didn't like grow up in New York with like that whole scene, then I kind of moved there in 94 and was doing that. And then like 90s, you know, we just kept doing songs. And then, you know, 96 in November, that's when we recorded all those and they came out. Um, so I think that's how, you know, that's how it progressed. So you went from Philly to Boston to New York. You talked about the way you guys grew up together. Would you say those experiences in those cities kind of molded you into this group? Like, did you take something out of Boston and out of Philly when you went to New York? Because of your mindset is different in each city, I would imagine. Right. You know? Yeah, like Philly was just growing up. And so, like, you know, the obvious sports, you know, the sports, the hip hop, you know, we grew up in Center City. So, you know, people don't know Philly. It's kind of like outskirt and then it's like downtown. Like we almost we grew up downtown kind of. And so there were these record stores called Sound of Market. It was like you went and did everything. There was like Sound of Market was just a record store, but it also had, you know, uh, you know, VHS and stuff or whatever. And there was a few of them, Sound of Market. Oh, this, you know, and then there was Funko Mart. So there was, you know, you, you went out with your boys and like then there were sneakers and there was this place called I Goldberg's that had all the starter jackets and posters. And, you know, so that was like, that's how we grew up. We grew up going like, you know, and, and like me and mine, when we were 16, we worked in Foot Locker in the gallery so mm. we could get sneaks. So we were just... That's what Philly was. And then Boston was really like maturing as an MC and like my, you know, he DJed in like Lansdowne, which was like the main clubs, you know, like in college, like he was doing really well. And I just remember, you know, going and hanging out with some of the, you know, the Boston groups. And that was really in terms for me, like MCing and obviously going to college, but like that was the more, like competitiveness of it and meeting different people and not just, you know, like taking it more seriously. So you're on that alumni list with Howard Stern and Jason Alexander. Who else went to BU? I'm trying to think there are some. some... Um, I don't know. I forget. Rick Patino coach there. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, a couple. Now I can't. I, apparently it's like it got really good. Like, when I was there, the business school, the, the business school hadn't been built yet, right? It was still Burger King and like on, you know, on Mass Ave. And then I think I left like 94 and then it, it like really flourished. They built this business school and like now I hear it's like really hard to get into and all that. Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask this quick question before we kind of go back to the music, but you talked about the New York. Is that where you became such a diehard Mets fan? Or no, is it your Mets age fan. and nope. they happen to win the World Series and then no. you gravitated towards them? Oh, I can't okay. for the love of God figure okay, this out. Here it is, man. Yes. I know Fellow diehard right here. This is killing me. So Fellow diehard right here. I went to the World's Fair and fell in love with Queens. No, no. I was the hugest Phillies fan, man. On my wall, I have We Win. I have a newspaper that I bought. Like It's, it's, it's in here. Old. All that stuff is in here. Right. In the book. Yeah, it's, all, all, it's all in the back. And then, so then I'm eight years old. So then in two years, they, they, in, from 82 to 84, they got rid of every one of my heroes. They, mm -hmm. they, 
they had uh, Pete Rose left. They traded Boa and who and Bob Janier and them for and Moreland for Ivan De Jesus. Like uh, Steve Carlton left to the Indians or whatever. That was like a little bit later, but I just felt like they and I was like immature and stupid. And I was like I was like frustrated in like '82. And then even in 83, I started liking, I think it was like, because like I, I heard of Daryl Strawberry. That was his I rookie just, year. I, think I fell in love with him, man. I just, and I was super into baseball cards. So in 1983, mm. I knew every like starting team of every, of every like team, like in the starting infield. And so I really literally felt betrayed and I just didn't know any better. And so then Dwight Gooden came. And they got like Keith Hernandez and George Foster. So it was like all these guys that I loved. Gary Carter. And baseball was number one. Back then, no one will tell you different. Like baseball was, anyone who's 50, I'm 50. It's like baseball was like the highest level. Mm -hmm. So we were into that. And then it just, then like the summer of 84 was like the first year I started really following the Mets. And that was like they lost to the Cubs in the NL East. Then the next year, they even got better, and they lost to the Cardinals. And then I remember, mm. and it just rolled into it. And I was like a freshman in high school. So I don't know. And look, man, they haven't done shit since. So you know, <laughs> that was yeah. 14. That was 36 years ago. Well, so I know no you're joke's you're a, on me. You're a diehard Eagles fan. I always yeah, see 20 you. 20-year season ticket holder. I, I, I always see you every Sunday <laughs> in the home games doing your thing in the parking lot. I know you're Dude, a love guy. love the, the music blasting in the parking yes. lot. It makes everybody's Absolutely. day. So, you know, you're a diehard Eagles, diehard Sixers, and I don't know how you gravitated towards the, the Mets, but there That's you go. That's what it was, man. And I, I literally was the only one, you know, like obviously. Like they all killed me. They were just killing me. You watch an episode of the Baseball Bunch back in the day, and you fell in love with Silva. Come on, who are you fooling? Right, <laughs> Gary Carter. Remember, they announced it during like an NFL game. It was great. There is, um, there's another rapper who's another diehard Eagles fan, and and I would just love to hear your side of what fucking transpired. But right. if if you guys don't know what I'm who I'm talking about, it's it's Master Ace. <laughs> oh and, yeah, and and Master Ace for those that don't know, is a huge Eagles fan. He's also yeah. one of those guys who's never, ever had beef. Other than right. getting jaw jacked by Fat Joe once, you've never heard anything about Master <laughs> Ace beefing with people. Somehow, Master Ace put out a diss record over what we were told is a misunderstanding. But now that we have you 20-some years later, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear <laughs> what the fuck happened. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. 
And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Well, I'll start it off with when we lived in New York, we used to go with John Schechter, um, who started The Source, and we would go to this one sports bar, different people would show up there. Like we had some weird people, like, I don't know, like mild stars or something of the early nineties. And like, um, and then like Master Ace came and it was the, I just have a weird memory. 1994, when we beat the, um, we beat San Fran the year they won the Super Bowl, 95, we beat them and we were at the, and we were at the sports bar and he was with us. So it was like, group of six dude we were all talking about the eagles and then we were talking that we rapped and stuff and like we were fully like master ace eon like they he knew who we me and my were and we had other experiences so then fast forward to whenever it was i think it was for cage's album we were at like a new music seminar cmj or one of those johns and cage was doing suicidal failure and in the song, he says, you know, pumping Massey's or walked into a Jewish slaughterhouse. I drank a bottle of Jack, sniffed three bottles of Kitty in the middle of the freeway, walking to the city. So much PCP, I changed my name to Watermouth. Pumping Massey's, I walked into a Jewish slaughterhouse. So it's not a diss of Ace, it's just like a play on words, right? So he had one of his du- one of his dudes, like, who either was in his crew or something, named Tone Deaf, which is the funniest part of the whole thing, that this is the dude who heard this, and his name is Tone Deaf, and that he heard that and was like, yo, Ace, the high and mighty dissed you and said, fuck, fuck Master Ace Slaughterhouse. <laughs> and that's what happened. So then he did it, and then we heard it, and we were like, what? And then we put it together, and then someone told us that, and then, like, my, Mighty my like, we, like, then talked to him. And he was like, Ace, it's me, Milo, remember? Like, we used to go and watch the Eagles games together and <laughs> stuff like that. And then I think Ace was like, oh, yeah. And he was like, look, man, like, that was a dude. And he played him the record. And there's actually, they, they did it on something. Like, I think it's recorded or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But, like, it was a known, you know, and then he was like, oh, yeah, sorry, or, like, whatever. It was, it wasn't real. So, it really, it should have been something directed towards Cage, but you guys got lumped into it. Yeah, because it was just, like, I think we were, at that point, like, off the album, and so maybe Tone Deaf just didn't even know who Cage was. He just saw maybe me and my up there with him, and that's what, you know, because we were all, like, all on the stage. And Tone Deaf... It, it, is this the tone deaf from QN5? He's a he was he's a rapper. That tone deaf. Yes, yes, yes. I think so. Yeah. Wow. It's so, all. Yeah. That's that's uh. You know, you hear different stories, but I I wanted to hear from uh from you because <laughs> uh for years I could not figure out what really happened. But um, that's that's crazy. So obviously, once you had that discussion, he's like, "Oh my bad, the song is already out there." Did you guys? ever at any point in time consider putting a response record out no i think i said one line was um something uh 
old timers, Alzheimer's, some shit. Mm. Said in one song, I forget which one. And that was just the only little thing. Meanwhile, he's your age. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. I'm probably older than him. No. It yeah. was it was a low key diss. Yeah. It was low yeah, key. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just a damn man. He didn't really do his research, you know, type thing. Since we brought it up, Cage, let's talk about this for a minute. Uh, I know that Bobito introduced you guys to Cage. Um, and kind of how did it happen that you paired up with Cage and ended up getting to the point of making an album, Smut Peddlers, and then other songs with Cage? Um, we met him, yeah, through Bob. And I think it was kind of after, you know, uh, Agent Orange um, and Radiohead, like that single. And I think he was coming off of you know whatever with pete nice and all that stuff so i think in like you know that was like 98 and like we met with him and and we just like first of all i was like a huge fan like i was just like yeah like my was like you want why don't we ask cage that's what that's all we used to do is like people we like we'd be like yo like let's try to link up with him and yeah and so then we hung out and like we went to middletown and like we hung out with him and you know, he had his little crib and it was like, and we were just like vibing. And then we were really like, yo, man, we lo love your stuff. And like, let's, you know, you want to come in, come into the city and, you know, we'll chill and do it. And we just kind of vibed down. We just, you know, we did the one with Masai Bay and like, you know, that, you know, for the record and like that, that song and then one by one. And then we kind of rolled that as the whole raucous deal came. Mm -hmm. It was just like the obvious thing was, you know, high and mighty because the album was done and that's, you know, going into the raucous stuff. But then we just did like, you know, he, we did, you know, uh, in outs and like for the high and mighty album. So we were just kind of hanging and chilling. And then we were like, yo, we can do a whole album. Like, let's just do a Smut Peddlers album. And we were just like, all right, let's just do it. Like, it was just, you know, we were like, let's have the second album of our of our label deal be the Smut Peddlers album. So before you guys went into the whole ruckus era of, of your career, there was another label that was courting you. Tommy Boy, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So yeah. what was the part of the deal that made you guys say we, we should go with this label over the other one? Well, I think they weren't, they, I don't think they wanted to really give us a label deal or it was just high. It wasn't as concrete. Like we got a straight three album deal from Raucous. And I think that they wanted the High and Mighty album because we had done all the work. We had paid all the artists. It was like, it was any label's dream. It was like every contemporary, you know, of that era and like presenting like, you know this album and they didn't do three album deals back then ruckus i mean they were a singles label so you know no, but we we got a label deal because yeah. that's the whole thing is that me and my were just like we're not going to be on fat you know it started back when we're like all right well we're going to put out a record like what like that's when we did everything we were like you know what's the label going to be called and we made that up and then we made the you know it's like you know the most fun part so you're saying the album was done before you went with Ruckus for the distro deal? Yeah, like mostly all of it. Okay, because so like I, there was a couple pieces. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I always was under the impression that Ruckus 
not that they had a say, but maybe they suggested or made some connections happen. Because for me, I saw Mostef on there. I saw Pharaoh. So I was always under the assumption that Ruckus put maybe the finishing touches on that album. No, but it was, it really, it, there was just, it was really about B-Boy document because okay. when we were, there's two versions. Yeah. So we put out and we met most and like, we did that, you know, we, we didn't. So I hear what you're saying. You'd think that, but it really wasn't. It was like, we did the most deaf song and the LP, you know, like we did hands-on experience with LP. Correct. You know, we did, you know, the first B-Boy document. independent of all ill intent, non-threat. Won't infiltrate the conference. Abandon your notion of the page. Planet of the apes. I'm the human who communicates. Invading tempest of this premises. Retarding it. Stay underground regardless. Transplant it to the heartless. The lung donor. Unsigned free agent. So fuck the owner. When I be the incredibleest. Verbal herbalist. So fuck the turbulence. Now let's make the investment. No resentment. Fuck the dotted line on Independence Day. So we did, like, what it was is Raucous saw that we did that. We put that out, and Raucous was, like, up here, and we put out this record that was, like, the, the same vibe. It had, just like you're saying, their artists on there, and everything, it was just, you know, a synergy. And, like, that's also about the Eminem part and, like, how we got the deal part. So mm. there was a lot of, that's all it was, was, like, New York synergy, of just everything flowing between everyone. It was very cool. So no, like even we wanted open mic night on the album, the beat, and we loved it. But at that point, you know, we had had like a, like a thing with ill-advised yeah. and them. So I was like, let's like, and I liked, and then we were like, all right, let's like, like and we just knew everyone. We were like, let's do like Thurston Howe and Wordsworth. So, so you, we you like, can see what I was that. saying though, because those are yeah, all no, ruckus. You know, so the thing was how... about B-Boy Document yeah. was most does his same verse. Yep. And then, you know, Mad Skills, who wasn't on the first record, is there. And we knew him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another from, kind of Is that from Reef? Thing. What? Was that from Reef? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And then, you know, and then, you know, me, I did a different verse. But at the when we did, uh, when we first handed it in, we had like a break and it was like my cutting up the original B-Boy document. So it was like B-Boy to the document, but the B-Boy. That's a Mantronic sample, fellas. You guys fuck with me with the with the Mantronic shit. That's a Mantronic sample. It's crown rulers. I'm letting you know, kid. You got an 80s kid here. No, no, we, we interchanged two things, right? We used a Mantronic beat and then we did a, a like an ode to crown rulers and named it B-Boy document, but all I'm saying is we're both right. Dude, that's a Mantronic <laughs> shit for the right. people that know. I don't care where right. you're at. This is... Well, that's true. It, I, it is I what it is, but I, but I love you for that. <laughs> if you want, the raucousification part was that... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
they were like, most do a do a dope hook. <laughs> and so he did he did the hook. But the crazy thing is it seems like you guys got a better deal than almost anybody on Raucous. And, and they were dealing with some big fucking stars. How does that happen? Well, it wasn't like a high and mighty thing. We are we were like Brian and Jared, like the two owners. So we were our own little we just rapped. Like the whole thing of Eastern Conference was just because we wanted to own everything. We never wanted to be on. So we just, and back then that's what it was. It was like, well, what do you want to, how do you want to put it out? We were like, I don't, I don't know. Like, they were like, well, you, do you have a BMI? We're like, let's just make a label. So we, it was a label deal. It wasn't even, and even though that's why all the singles, we just were, yeah. So we, I think because they knew that like we could do it, like we a and would you know, the the home field advantage, which has so many different people on it. And so I think they were like, these guys are self, they do everything in house, you know, and they're gonna generate and just produce albums for us. And that's what it was. On the other guys, they'd have to put out, you know, they'd have to record and go to these big studios and stuff. They really didn't do that much with us, you know? So that's where I think maybe they spend a lot more on those guys, I don't know. You got a lot of, alchemist early alchemist production yeah like, man you said open mic night which is the original i love the original because i you know philly all the way but yeah. you had a lot of alchemist joints throughout uh whether it's some smut peddlers to to the high and mighty so obviously you did a lot of networking but in retrospect it's kind of cool to know that hey i had alchemist on these albums, I mean, this yeah, is yeah, man. Uh, we had some of his first stuff. It was just, yeah, it was just another, again, like a synergy of meeting, because he went. He was a freshman at NYU, mm-hmm. so it was like we met him through someone, like at NYU, and then he, just you know, what it was is he had the illest weed, and it was <laughs> nineteen, you know, ninety seven, and that was before every all the weed was like incredible. So it was like he had the really good weed and then we would hang out and then he'd just play us shit. And we were like, I mean, if you heard, you hear top prospects, you're like, oh my God. You hear like open mic night, like he had this shit. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it was just amazing. And like then, you know, he dropped out of school obviously. And then, you know, he's just become what he's become, which is- He became such a failure. Tell us, tell us the story about how you connected with Eminem and Royce. So that was um, Paul Rosenberg is Eminem's manager and he's a lawyer and he was coming from Michigan and he contact, like he linked up, he was linked up with John Schechter who started the source. And so they linked up. And I think John helped him out or something in some way. Then we met Paul through John and he was like, these guys are trying to get a deal. And so, you know, Paul was negotiating M's deal on Interscope. He had just done M&M's deal on Interscope, you know, and before M&M came out. And so like, it's this timeline of, of that and then him coming to New York. And if you remember, there are these like, group of songs that were all done together and they were all done in like five days. So it's like Bad Meets Evil, um, which was on Game, which is John Schechter. Yep. We, we did, you know, Last Hit, 
and then Royce did the one that was on Eastern Conference that Reef produced. And then there were two other songs, but they're like, it's just ill. So basically, probably scary movies, got, probably. Got our, yeah, scary movies. Right, right, right. And we got our deal because Paul Rosenberg was our lawyer. So like all of a sudden he just negotiated our deal. Oh, so like wow. all of this is all intertwined. So like as the, I don't even think we we you know he went we went to Tommy Boy first, but then the Rockus thing happened and it just was like, you know like Emma done stuff with Rockus they knew him and so like it was all kind of that's how we hooked up, and we were able to record, you know, we did it in Mighty Mai's living room and I wrote it, you know, I wrote everything. I was like, all right, we're going to go back and forth. And he was like, all right, what's the last word of, you know, um, you know, spina bifida. Okay. And he would just start writing. <laughs> My mom is lifting you know, six feet, you know, and that's how we did the song. And I wrote the hook and, and I think we kind of, I, I think I had most of the hook and then he added parts to it. So, and then we just, you know, we did that song and then, you know, we, we kind of knew he was going to be really big. I mean, we were like, he's with Dr. Dre and I think we heard like how my name is before people heard it. And so we knew what was up, I think. If you strip away all the guest spots, it's still a remarkable album. And I know, yeah. you know, a lot of albums in that era, it was littered with guest spots, but you know, you guys really made some good music. If you know, as you're talking, you're like the Kevin Bacon of hip hop because you have so <laughs> many connections to so many different people. I'm yeah, thinking, it, it you know, weird, man. Alchemist is Scott Kahn, Rashida Jones is yeah. Quincy Jones. I mean, like, there right, are all right. these people within, you know, Mark Ronson, all these people within your circle or, or that you, 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 you know, networked with throughout Crazy. the years. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it, you know? No, it is. And it's just such a blessing from, you know, like this has just been, you know, a wild ride, the whole hip hop part. Like, you know, you guys do your interest in hip hop and other things. And then you have like day jobs. And I've had, you know, I'm like 16, 17 years in my day job now. So, you know, my career, whatever that is. And so, yeah, man, I mean, we went to Europe and still like it's just it's just endless. Someday we're going to like either do some kind of documentary or. Yeah, you like, need to write a book, do a documentary, just, you know, something. Like, yeah, man, it's just so, and it's funny too. It's just so like me and my are just like ridiculous. So it's funny when you strip away all of like you know the nonsense. We're all just hip hop heads. We love what we do. We've loved it from whatever era started you with it. You and I seem to be from the same uh, you know cloth here. But at the end right. of the day, what was the as far as the independent movement? What was stuff that was moving you? I mean, you work with the mighty LP. At one point, I mean, yeah. if you really go through El Producto's mind, I mean, he was a fucking ill dude. I mean, he wasn't as weird as Anticon, but he was doing all that static and weird shit at a time yeah. when it wasn't really fashionable. And then you kind of bring it forward to where it's at now with Run the Jewels. I mean, this dude's mind should be kind of in a glass case somewhere. Cause this yeah. is crazy. So what was it like working with him or just in general, who did you kind of vibe out to at that, at that stage of it all? Well, back then, like definitely L was, was, it was incredible to work with him just because, you know, they really came on the scene when we moved to New York, 
you know, like the eight steps to perfection. And, you know, like that was just like the biggest thing kind of in this scene. Um, you know, like the fat beats underground, like kind of New York scene. And it was just, you know, it was really cool. And then, you know, we all went in 98, but a big formidable part and memory and thing for us was when we first went to Europe. And that was, we went to this um, thing called the Roskilde Festival. And that was, you know, Pharaoh Manch. And remember, this is Pharaoh Manch in between, like when he first went solo. He didn't have like any songs, like Simon Says didn't exist. And so, you know, it was arsonist, you know, nonfiction, uh, company flow, us, and then... Uh, Super underground. Mass Influence. Mass Influence was a nice one. Yeah. Oh, yo, H2O was so good. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're awesome, man. I love that those guys are like... You know, and when you go on, you know, those those tours, it's like going away like summer camp or like your old school friends. It's just like, you know, I have stories about talking about comic books, playing <laughs> like sleeping on a floor five feet from Pharaoh Manch and like talking about the X-Men. You know, like I don't really know what you, you know, what you want more from life than stuff like that. I'm just you know, that's just me, you know, like talking, you know, like so. Yeah, man, it's just these memories and yeah being able to do that and like definitely that first album and then just but like going to europe and that expanding like i don't know if you guys know like dj noise who's like you know one of the you know uh techniques turntable champions from like the late 90s like he went with us and he would do like a whole routine he would like perform with us because like it was really just me it's like kind of boring <laughs> and so like my would be djing but then like noise would do like a whole routine so, I mean, it was just, it was awesome. Me, you know, a lot of different things, you know, from LP and then even most deaf, man. Like I have like so many, like one time, remember he was on, I don't know if you know this show law and order, obviously, yeah. but the real old, OG, he was an actor really before he, he was, yeah. yeah, he was an actor before. Mm -hmm. And like, when we did the song, like I was like, Oh, right. The dude from law and order. Like I almost like, I did know of him as an MC, but I was almost like, oh, he's been on the show. Slim brown skin, I'll be standing five to not be rocking it when I be in your vicinity. Raw style synergy, recognize symmetry. Call up, try to engine me, broke him down chemically. Ain't the number 10 MC. Talking about how been I be, styled it like Kennedy. Late like a 10 to 3. When I say, when I be, girl, say, been I key, cause this new 10 to be. Way out like Tennessee, take me to a place called the BK without pause or delay. Get run like pen relay, don't deal what he say, she say, ain't working for no cheap pay. The most death beat play, this what the streets say. Hey, Mr. DJ, play that devil mode in that jam got me open. Decide to break it broken from front, front side, the side, middle, the back. Never the whack, I come from best star black, from Louis A.V.E. to be exact. Brooklyn! And then, like, when I when we were both like unknown, one time like like I'm walking down the street, he's like, yo, E. And he just was like, What's up, man? And it was like after we recorded B-Boy documents. And it was like all genuine. And then, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of different memories with a lot of different cool people who went on, you know, to do a lot of amazing stuff. So it was yeah, it was it's a cool ride. This is it's so relatable. It's like, you know, you warp zoned into this hip hop world. Like we are living vicariously through your stories now because you're like us, a hip hop head, first and foremost. Right. You know, you grew up. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To this, I mean, when, when you had Cool Keith on your record, uh, I'm sure it was a dream come true. I mean, he, he, he's... Yeah. You know, yeah. like you would never have imagined you would be rapping alongside Cool Yeah, the whole thing was surreal, but then it wasn't. Yo, I'm six million dollars, rapping like I'm Steve Austin, made of steel, diamonds glitter on the Ampex rim, supercharging my brain cells, glowing extra large in my Afro sheen, skin color should be green. Girls in the backseat with thongs stuck between a boo boo, I'm rapping through you, on sidelines he's talking to you, my finesse and Batmobiles, who's with Adam West, down Bronx streets and project buildings holding flash. So the whole thing is as you like sit back now and you think it's very surreal as it was happening it's just like it was just it was amazing no but all those memories like I was always like very starstruck like one of those like I gotta be cool oh my god I'm about to meet like <laughs> Del the funky homo sapien yeah. like when Del came up to me the first time I met him he was like yo oh yo you're Eon right oh you had that um and he knew one by one because I don't know that shit was like kind of rocking back then like right. fucking beat. banging best song rapping over it and shit and he was like banging he was like yo man he was like I didn't really like you at first but he's like you got a lot better I was like <laughs> thanks man like to me I was like oh my god like that was amazing like yeah. you know that was you know so I have like a lot of those and like like when Pharaohs you know thought that we dissed him and we were sitting at the airport and we had met him for 10 minutes He's like, I got to ask you something, man. What did you diss, you know, like on that? And it was, again, well, you know, trying to be cute like Munchie Cheese. I was like, no. I was like, no, Pharaoh. I was like, in my way, I was like, no, man. I was like, you're like one of my heroes, like without saying that. But so like it, just what it is. It's like I'm just like one of you guys and I just happen to happen to do this. And it's, you know, it's it was awesome. And it's, it's great. Who would be your most starstruck moment? What? What MC or what, you know. I think like Run DMC. We got, and that's what it was, would be like. Then you just started rolling with the tide. Like that was the Salem Lights tour. You know, those cigarette guys got a lot of money. Hell yeah. So we were just with Run DMC. We had a bus and they I had a bus. That. It was like, you know, then there were the, the, that's another, like the money part is hilarious. So like, yeah, when I met them, I was just like, you know, and I think I was like, yo, it's an honor. You know, I hope we can represent well and, and, you know, whatever. And that, you know, so I think Run DMC for sure was like the most. Were they good to you? Were they good to you? They barely interacted with yeah. us. I think. <laughs> I, don't even, I think we had like three interactions. I'm sure Run was like, like fuck out of here. My said he got on the, like on the elevator at the hotel once and DMC got on. He was like, yo, man, like we're on the show with you or something like that. That's you know, fine. like, because, you know, we obviously don't look the part either so run dmc over beetlejuice what the hell is your problem they always smile and say i'm beetle how you doing how you smell oh now yeah well beetle is just yeah he's uh <laughs> that was fun but y'all some know. lazy motherfuckers man now whose <laughs> idea was was beetlejuice to get on the cover and on i think on we the just record? were like i think it was really like mighty my 
And we were like, let's, we just got to make it as, you know, real crazy. Come like, on, you can't talk about these like, people even, like that. You know, just completely absurd. What the fuck is y'all guys trying and to do? We were totally going for shock value. That was the independent way, wasn't it? Yeah, well, we were just trying to do something different than the High and Mighty. We both like liked that shit, obviously. Well, he was the hottest thing at that time on Stern, Beetlejuice. I mean, everyone right. thinking enough of and him. And it was cool. And and that was that was pretty cool, you know. Yeah, that whole experience was amazing too. And like, you know, doing that was, you know, and we did, uh, you know, we did Midnight Blue. I don't know if you know what that is. In New York City, on the on the public network, they had like this Channel J. So it was like this low scale porn and not even porn. It was like this woman, Robin Bird. Robin Bird. She would lay and she kind of looked okay, but she was like 50. She had like droopy tits, but you know, she would, then they would have like commercials. Get comfortable. The commercials for like the escort services. But then, you know, Midnight Blue, there's a guy like Al Goldstein. It's sickening and the people on television are even more sickening. Fuck you all. Dude, I used to watch Midnight Blue like when I was twelve, like jerking off, like in my like grandmother's like back that's, room. That's crazy. And be on it, you know. That's all it's about, man. When I got the video for <laughs> Bottom Feeders, I didn't yeah. know if I needed to jerk off or throw up because no. it was my bugged man. <laughs> yeah, puking it, on it, bitches. It was a snorting s- coke off asses. Dude, so imagine that I am in a world like I have a fifteen-year-old son. So you know, you have like normal like white kind of people contemporaries recently like you know and then it's like a will they do they know it's like this thing it's like with me it's like you know even in my business shit it's like you used to be important googled you oh my god i'm (laughs) like oh my god so like you know and i have so many things like that and it was just you know there's just so many of those it was just ridiculous but like so like i played so like bottom feeders I was like, oh, and I was, I was like really high. It was like recently, it was like literally like last month. And I was like, oh, and I was with like these three women, like married, like, you know, like mothers, like just three white women. I was like, oh, you want to see something? And I just put on my phone and I handed it to them. So depressed, I'm doing whippets for hours Cause I realize I'm less popular than what's happening now was There are women in pits in my basement My trophy, Morgana's tits in a glass encasement Like my sidekick, Gary Hardnick I'm still banging the tie chick, plus a high bitch Eon rains, fuckity hurricanes You a cold front that's seen on every weather vein One of them was like, I really think of you differently I was like, well, forget it, fuck you then and like so yeah that one that one was crazy and like all the videos we did were on so many different levels you know it was like you know the the one for b-boy document was like very very expensive you know it was like two hundred thousand dollars something you know it was like effects and stuff they put on it and whatever it was you know that was a director and they hired it it was cute it was fine um, but then, yeah, like then we, when we could do our own stuff, then we were just wilding out. Like the Dick Starbuck one, they also raucous did it, but that was just like weird too. But we always, you know, but the videos were fun to do too, man. I, I th- those were awesome. You mentioned your son. Does he know of? Yeah, this but material? he's not too interested in it, which is good. He's, I think like sometimes he, you know, he's told his friends and stuff, but. You know, they won't really 
No one's ever like said, even him, I don't even think he's really, sometimes I'll like, like in the car, something will come up and I just play and I start like looking and seeing if he even knows it. And mm. now he's 15. And if I put something, he'll be like, that's you. Right. And I'm like, yeah. But then like, he, he's not like going on YouTube and like listening for it. He doesn't like download it and like listen to it. Cause why the hell would he? Well, he's yeah. 23 I mean, years old. It, it's not Jack him. Harlow and, yeah, and uh, yeah. you know. Well, he know and he likes, you know, like all the new shit, man. Oh, he sure. Likes, yeah. So, but he likes hip hop, which is very interesting. And he just likes new stuff. Tell the kids you have a, you have a song on Tony Hawk. That's what you oh, got to yeah. tell them. That's the thing. I'm like, yeah, Lucas, there was this game way, way long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that. that's what he would like. Yeah, because he's a big video game head. For sure. Do you like any of his stuff? Who? Your son's. Which? The stuff he likes. Do you like any of it? No, but I, I mean, I just listen to it. Like a couple, I just, it's one of those things when it's like you just get drilled in your head. You can kind of say, like, there's a couple you things. tolerate that, some of it. I guess like when when Champions came out, like Meek Mill, right? Mm -hmm. So that album, and he liked that. So like the two or three songs that were kind of, you know, like the one not, with Drake, not terrible, going bad, eventually just got programmed into liking it. Yeah, you know? but I'm with AE. My daughter's 17. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, I try to show her shit like Hip Hop Parade, and I'm like. Listen, you like no, this. No, it's because it's a different beat. My daughter loves that shit, but she's 16 and she's cut from a different cloth. I mean, it just depends on how you introduce it. Right. But, you know, here's the funny thing. If you're walking down the street and you see Chuck D, what happens? I would go up to him and be like, yo, man, thank, thank you for everything. I want to tell you, you turned me into a rapper and I walked, I went to your show. I have the ticket. It's April 17th, 1987. Is that your guy? Yeah. I, lo I love Chuck. Cause he's also, he's old and he's like a real sports, like historian, you know, it's real New York, crazy high levels. Like, right. you know, played with like, he like played with doc. You ever see the picture of him and doc on like the playground? Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. He's, 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 he's an icon for me. And I, yeah, and his I, art. I, yeah. have you seen his art? Yeah. And so I, I met him a few times. I spoke with him a few times. It's still my get that I want on this show. It's the one interview I haven't been able to secure, but it's, uh, he, it, he means so much to me and it's crazy because I miss that. Do you understand where I'm coming from when I say what I say? No, I do. I think, I think you're just, you know, think about, how many hip hop of that era, you know, no, not many made it out of there, you yeah. know, like LL Cool J yeah. and like a few others, like the real, like from back then. So, you know, even run DMC, man, like, you know, when like, like you know, like uh, down with the King and stuff, like I, I'll, I wasn't that into that song. Right. Maybe but it was their just, resurrection but, in a lot of ways. Right. But I think that happened to a lot of people, but Chuck, Chuck D was also, he's not, he wasn't like a real flower. He's almost like, he's almost like a spoken word. Like the way he rhymes is, and rhythmically, obviously, but I think he, his political, he was also the most political besides KRS and in a different way, you know, just missed that, you know, revolutionary generation and shifting back to the indie era which is this episode. Yeah, sorry. Um, let's shit on somebody who we can all agree is a dickhead, and that's Ari the Rugged Man. Can I? Uh, yeah. Yes. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>
Dude, he's real weird, man. Like, Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I I like his like humility. He, he, I, humility. Insane. I, not his humility. His. No, well, he makes his self-deprecating like he's sick. Okay, well, that's kind of shtickish, I think. I that, don't know if it's that's his no, thing, but he really does, and he's he is like that man. Like, well, first of all, he's very he has like some kind. He may have like some kind of thing that he's always dealt with. He's talked about it, I think. Like, we, we all have something we deal with. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm not. Just, I'm not that empathetic. I'll tell dude, you, I've had, I had whole things with him where we had whole fights, not physical fist fights, but like going back and forth where he was being ridiculous He's, about so many things. So yeah, I I know about those things. Yeah, uh, yeah and I look, I don't want you to to let people in on things that are, are private or happening uh, with you guys. But we've had many many guests on this show the greatest producers of all time, some of the greatest rappers of all time. There's never been an interview where I have not enjoyed uh, like like the R.A. And I think R.A., he's just an unlikable guy. He's an incredible MC. But I think it doesn't matter how good you are of an MC. If you're not likable, it's very hard to get behind. Kind of like the way people are with LeBron. Well, my, my, my experience with R.A. was he was moody. And he would have like one day where he was like kind of shitty or in a shitty mood and he would just be shitty. But then he would always be like, yo, man, I'm sorry. Not that that's a thing because people yeah. do that all the time and they just keep doing it. I kind of think maybe he does. But to be honest, I really haven't had a lot of interactions. I guess he's in Germany. He has like kids. So I read a couple things he, that number one, he re- kind of regrets doing the smut peddlers and, and the stuff that you guys did 20 some years ago, which <laughs> come on, you can't talk about these people like that. The album is a classic. It's an underground classic. Kiss your blast. You can't take shit so fucking serious. It, it you oh, know, yeah. take it for what it is. Did you get upset about two live crew? Come on, son. Like <laughs> right. take it for what it is. And then also yeah. Cage, same thing. He wants no, uh, apparently today in his fucking weirdo life, he wants nothing <laughs> to do with smut peddlers. He'd rather have long hair and cut himself. Well, yeah, there's two cages. I mean, you guys got the good cage, the cage that looks like Ash from Euphoria, but like an older version. Like yeah. you got like the prime cage, and then there's the cage that you know went on with Shia LaBeouf, and like you said, got that skater haircut where he's constantly got to move his hands across his fucking forehead because the hair is in his eyes like that's not the cage we wanted to listen to lose 75 pounds you guys got the good cage um you worked with a lot of of folks but i just want to write off a few because ec like i said was so important during this time you guys put out so many good records not just of high and the mighty not just the compilations but you somehow managed to get like tame one out of retirement or wherever the fuck he was so good you know that was a great album the leak brothers i mean Talk a little bit about the EC run because it was pretty dominant for yeah and for, hey and copyright that motherfucker was a monster yeah, another then. one copyright yeah, monster man. 
Yeah, I thought we, yeah, we definitely had, you know, we had, like, when we hit our peak, you know, like, as the raucous thing was ending, I really Evidence. felt that's when we kind of, like, had everything. That's right. Like, when we were able to get tame, it was just meeting people and being like, look, like, well, first of all, my had all these beats. It was like, okay, you come here. We had a formula. It was like, all right, tame, you come here, here's beats and now you know like we would do like the our formula was like 80 percent my and then like you'd have you know your jay zone beat here al you know seb you know all those you know kind of like reef you know put in here and there so you know you had like different stuff like that do you recall like in the early stages of tame one coming on board and because i know he yeah. he's he's a He's a great guy, but a very unique kind of a guy, you know? Yeah, well, he was he was always, like, real good with us. But, like, sometimes, like, during shows, he would just go and, like, power drink and, like, smoke, like, dust and some shit <laughs> and just be, like, some other person. And I've been with him on stage where he's thrown up on stage <laughs> oh, and, shit. like, kind of backs up and just kept going. And people were like, ah! And it was like, you know... Crazy. Power puke. That was insane. But yeah, I mean, that and like, you know, like, so like we went back to our roots. Like, I don't know if you remember the Rip Shop record. Yeah. Um, that one. Super dope. And, you know, and so Rip Shop was in like the mixed nuts. So that goes back to like the Boston time. So mm -hmm. like, you know, we did that and acrobatic. And then, you know, and copyright. And that's what it was is Raucous gave us a certain amount per record. So we would also just go to people and be like, copyright, you have, you know, and people would have like 65% of an album done. So then Mai would do four songs, five, maybe I was on it, or like mm -hmm. then Cage was on it, or someone was on it, you know, like High Exalted was probably almost all the way done. And then eventually, you know, maybe a couple other things were done. We just all would just be interchangeable that's why we would do a show we could go to europe with me cage and copyright and would and and it would be like four different acts to be cage high and mighty spunk peddlers copyright and we would literally be able to do just mm. interchangeable so you know that was it was just like we were just able to the raucous thing allowed us to put out all those you know things and then i don't know if you remember like some of the art we would have this guy brian life it's also from Boston he would he did all those and like it was like our thing and we just you know we kind of had a good formula for sure hey being from Columbus how the hell did you guys find copyright well that was an RJD2 and you know like Bobito thing because megahertz I don't know how Bobito even linked up with them I think maybe RJ I guess RJ is the shit yeah he really is <laughs> Philly and so he he, uh, you know, he's, he brought them in and then, you know, we were just like, you know, copy was fucking incredible. It's like, oh, mm. listen to this guy. It's like, okay. You know, it's like tame. Okay. Cage. Like, you know, it was like, we, we, it was great. It was, we had a lot of talent around us. And then like, you know, rest in peace, Camus, man. Like, you know, we would just have these days where just everyone was just sitting there and like, we would just do stuff so it was you know we were lucky i i heard in an interview of be real many years ago uh, where he decided at one point he had to 
have an affect to his voice to, to stand out. And clearly people are listening to you now. This is, I don't want to date ourselves, but 20 some years later. Yeah. So our voices do change, but yeah. Bobby Brady syndrome. Your voice, <laughs> your voice stood out. It was always unique. And for the longest time, I didn't even know you were a white guy. Uh, I think right. I didn't know until the, 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 the liner notes of the CD. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Um, when did you realize like that was I, I, like that voice? It's, it's such a unique voice. Is that something you worked on or that came to you naturally when you it were just, it was just the way I did it. I think I just, I don't know. Even in high school, like, like all my friends were like, you sound like rock Kim. And I did like in like 88, not good not you know lyrically but you know like voice wise and and so i guess i just you know would just go into that and it's just like you know it's also just the headphones and you're just like transformed that's just the way it when is for me trey talks sexy to his wife he usually gets that barry white voice yeah. so right it's, it's sort of like that yeah like you have okay oh yeah it works, it works wonders let me yes tell you. hey i got a question uh weatherman Yak Balls. Who is that? Yak Balls is he's the best. What do you mean? You don't know Yak Balls? No, what I mean is, like, where did that come from? He came out of nowhere. He's good as hell. He was on the album. Well, no, then there's the, so that's another thing. You know what footwork was, right? Bobito's store? Yeah. So in the East Village, I lived on 5th between A and B when I moved to New York out of Boston. So I was right near the store. They steal the doors off your cars back then at that area. Right, exactly. It was three <laughs> kids. It was Vaz. So I don't know if you know. Do you, did you see the um, Bobito and Stretch um, documentary? Yeah, I don't know if ago. you know who Vaz is, but Vaz is like, he was just like in the scene and, you know, he like has all the Stretch tapes and he's just a graffiti head, like just a New York head. And then DJ Ellie, I don't know if you know him. He's he did stuff on Fondalum too, and he did some cuts. He was actually DJing my wedding, and he's like a big like house DJ now in New York. And then and then Yak, and so you know, and he worked there, Yash, and so he worked there, and so like they all hung out, and so like you'd go in there and they'd be like rhyming and stuff. So you know, Bobito put out you know I guess some of the first Yak stuff. Yak Balls, and then, like, again, that album, he kind of did it, and we were able to put it out because people would come to us with albums, and we'd be like, okay, we're going to give you this money, let's talk, and we would give an advance, and then we'd be like, all right, and, like, whatever machine, like, either we were with Land Speed, or we put out money, or whoever was just, you know, distributing it, they just would, you know, like, want to do it, like, with copyrights album, Yak Balls album, you know, like some people would come to us with like whole, you know, like the mostly the whole album done. Crazy one-offs of like Leak Brothers and um, Nighthawks, you know, like that shit. So we just could make an album because we all hung out together. So Kamu and Cage are like, let's do Nighthawks, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, I heard Yak on the uh, the five in the clip. When did this Weatherman thing come about? Like, was it one day at a show? Everyone decided like this is the group we're gonna because no, the super group was, was always like, a thing. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I think, no, it was really Cage and I think LP and, like, I think Breeze and, like, and Yak and them. Like, so I think it was more, like, people like those guys who kind of, like, started talking about it. And then people started to either be in it or not. Like, I was in it for a second, but then I wasn't in it. And, like, it was, like, very, it was, like, kind of clicky a little. Because it went from EC to definitive Jux, right? Well, that's what it was, is then, so we just did that mixtape, you know, and, like, when we did, you know, The Conspiracy, you know, which, like, every one of them is on it. And it's, like, that, like, think about that. You couldn't make that shit now. Like, and LP's on it, and you know, vast and like copy and like there's whole like, so then copy would just do a song. So that would be on there. I mean, then it's then whatever, you know, then everything went to what it went to. And like then, you know, cage and copyright and everyone got, you know, we're done with us and they go move on. And then that was, there was that part. Do you have many, many years? I don't know if things have changed, but do you have any relationships with any of these guys that you you know you once worked with back uh, in the EC days? Yeah, like, but mostly like social media and like stuff like Tame. When we did our New York show, Tame came. Okay, and there was like no one there. It was like Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend or some shit, and but we did that show. And but yeah, like I did talk. I had I did talk to Cage up until like right at the beginning of the pandemic. But I mean, I have his number, his last number. Mm-hmm. I think if I texted him or something. But you know, like my and him talk, and I, you know, me and my are obviously still talk like a lot. And we, you know, he's we haven't lived in the same city in a long. He's time. in Vegas, right? Yeah, and he's- then yeah, he, he's been in Vegas for. It's like 16 years. Like I, when we and, both, and he's been clean for how many years now? Um, for for, um, well, he hasn't for alcohol for yeah. many years. I mean, he he's lost a significant amount of weight. He looks good, and and he he's yeah, he's, he's been like that just really through um, whatchamacallit, through like Instagram, like when Thurston Howe put out the record. I mean, when he put out his book. Like, I reached out. I was like, yo, man. See, I just, like, give people their flowers on on stuff. Like, I talked to Pharaoh, and we text about the Mets. I <laughs> talked to So that's what I talked to him about and, like, cards. And I've actually been in, you know, I don't know if you see his Instagram. He, he really collects, like, figures. Pharaoh? Yeah. I spoke to him two hours ago. Yeah. So yeah. all I'm saying is one time I was in a store, and I texted him, like, on, like, Twitter or something. I was like, dude, I'm in this I see a lot of figures. Let me know. Like he's, he, he's a know, huge so. nerd. All right. So you look you look at Jay and what he's got behind him. Of course. Well I see you at a blank wall. What what do you have that is your like claim to fame? He's a Lenny Dykstra rookie card with uh 
some tobacco stains on it. No, seriously. Like what's your, what's your one thing that like you're proud of, whether it's music, uh, memorabilia or, uh, baseball or what, what, what's your one thing? No, I think music. And I think like, just that I was, you know, in my life, the other things like hip hop is still part of my life. And, you know, you know, obviously when you're a father, you know, I just want to do everything with him. So I just, you know, my son is like a Marvel, you know, he was in Star Wars, just like, you know, it's like the most beautiful, it's like all you really want in life. Like I literally had all the Star Wars figures from right. when I was a kid. They were played with, they weren't, you know, perfect. And I was like, when I was like 10, I was like, I'm going to save these for my kid. And I'm going to play with these with my kid. And you do it. So you have all the figures from, from, from the early 80s. Yeah, dude. And then I have, pick, I have a movie of me when he's four. And I dust off the Darth Vader case. And I just <laughs> open it. And I'm showing him. And then, like, I have ones where the first things he learned is the figures. Like, Guido, Chewbacca. R2-D2, like he's saying it, like he learned. So like, dude, all of it. And then, you know, I've talked to this guy a lot about the last two years, like with back in the, like, you know, cards has just right. been, you know, it's been great, insane and great. And, you know, I'm just trying to get my Ricky Henderson room. Uh, <laughs> how about well, how there's You're talking guy, to the right guy here. There's a guy, 10 times more Ricky Henderson stuff than this guy. How about that dude? What's that guy? Oh, name? oh, Ricky nine thirty nine, Ken. Yes, dude. Yeah, yes. that dude has like a whole apartment. No, I know. If I was dedicated to just one thing, I, right. I would, I, I would. But I have here. Yeah, I'll quickly show you because you said Star Wars. Yeah, man. Woo! Right. Can you see all those figures? Yeah. Well, we all don't have like serious room. God, when you were building it, I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy. So what do you think of uh, the Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett? It's good. I know everyone, the Mandalorian was in it too much. It's, it was still, it's, it's dope. No! No! Of course, like you're going to be critical about it. But think about 10, 15 years ago, the thought that there would be a Boba Fett show. That's like something like when you were 15, like you would say, what do you want to see? Most in your life, it'd be like it's a Boba Fett show, and it was like, and then you fucking got it. So I won't complain. All that shit, like, and then we're gonna, you know, all this stuff. It's like gravy. It's like, you know, I say when I was in 1983, I was 11 years old. I was Jedi. There were, there were nine hours or ten hours, including little specials of content, and my son has seen hundreds 500 hours of content and he knows it all he knows it much better than me he'll go into the clone wars and be like so that's that's him and my music career so being able to absorb all my weird nice yeah you know besides like the porn stuff but he's he's a little he's a little sicko no but he's real sicko i don't know if you know about 15 year old 16 year old boys yeah 15 16 
He probably has a sock like Kev. Kev used to keep a sock near Please. his baseball cards. <laughs> Hell yeah. Next to his Kevin Moss rookie cards, it would be a right. yellow sock. I worked at a video store, so I had all the fucking videos back in the day. And Dre, like, did you have the did you have the 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 sheet that you had to pull aside to go into that room? Yeah, of course, man. I worked oh, at yeah. a video all store. All the good video stores. Before before Blockbuster, bro. Like yeah, hanging. beads. Oh, you got to go through the beads. And you used to get a free videotape when you signed up, and I'm. When we signed people up, I never gave them the videotape. And all I would do is like duplicate porn back in the back room and I'd keep it with myself. That's it. That's so funny you say that because I think Mighty Mai's first job it was at a place called Video City, which was on 20. Do you know that spot? It's on 20th and like between Pine and Spruce, right? And it's, it's still there and it's like a digitizing place now. But this was a video store in the 80s and he used to take the porn and like bring it home. And of like, course. Like some of the first ones that we would see. That was, that was our life, you know? It, and now, yeah. and now Dre jerks off to Chrissy Canyon in his Oculus too. I got my uh, Oculus. Yes, it's fucking fantastic. I'm trying yeah, to explain Christy to them Canyon. that Oculus is so fantastic when it comes to this next level shit. I have a friend who is like, it's, it's in crazy. They're like whispering in your ear. But here's the thing. If you get anyone over 40, you see every line and shit. You got, and it, you got to get yeah, you gotta into get that perv real, shit. And like, yep. I got to go below the 35 age and it's creepy because I got kids and it's a whole thing. Fuck it. it no, sucks. We're becoming a bunch of pervs now. It's not good. Show. It's not That's good. We didn't even bring up Ashlyn Gear yet. Who? She was my favorite. Ashlyn oh. Gear. Yeah. Back in the day, it was shit. Come on. You had Seika, you had, uh, who's that blonde? Nina Hartley. They were scary girls back in the day. Yeah, Nina, Nina Hartley. Hartley. Bill, totally Janine Linden Mueller. Yeah, yeah, she was great. Peter North used to bust mad loads. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy that we're speaking about this, but hey, smut peddlers are in the fucking house, man. Yes. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> so was it hard? You guys... Go ahead, Dre. Uh, no, I'm ahead. sorry, Jake. By the way, you, you look like LL Cool J for some reason tonight, like a white LL Cool J with his hat. He does. Right? Lick your lips. Do your thing. <laughs> now say what LL says. Say it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Nah, I was just going to make a, a, a bad joke since we were talking about uh, being perverted. I was going to say, was it very hard to not jerk off to Rashida Jones? Uh, all no, she years. was real cool. She's not, she's like actually, you know, like when a girl's like beautiful but not sexy, right? That's what yeah. it is. She's like home like, girl, right? Home you know. girl, yeah. She was just like very, like, she, you were like, damn, she should be a movie star, you know. And, and, and she, you know, like she, she had became, the face, like the bone yeah. structure, all that. shit Was she a head, like a real head? I mean, like her sister dated was or engaged Tupac, so I know she was always around this and right. QD3 was an amazing producer in the nineties. So she's always been around the hip hop, but especially, you know, independent nineties hip hop. Did she really like that kind of stuff? I think, I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> I think it was more that she was with Mark and, yeah. you know, she wanted to do it. I don't, I don't know. I think she liked the song when we, we played it for, her. I remember like she liked it or something, but yeah, I don't even know if she would still know it or anything, but it was just, you know, like she was like 20 something. So she's like, yeah, I'm gonna sing at this, you know, sing on this rap song. Props to Mark Ronson for going across a twenty-something-year-old Rashida Jones. Props, holy shit! 
Yeah, man. He, famous he, kids. Roll with the famous kids, man. Yeah. Eon, so during the course of Eastern Conference records, um, you had the you know the good and the bad fortune of being in the indie scene when it was hot as can be, and then also when the internet age came about and kind of wrecked the whole shit. So at what point did you guys go, okay, we made seven, eight albums, wh- whatever that number is, maybe more. Um, yeah, I think it's over, and I think we should move on and do something else. What, at what point did that happen? Well, I think it was like 2003. So, you know, we do the first, we do the two of the three album deal with Raucous. And it's like, you know, after the Smut Peddlers, it was like, okay, you know, what is going to, ha- what are you going to do? And by that time, it was like 2002. And I think we were just like, I think whatever, for whatever reason, we kind of, you know, we broke up with them. And then that's when, you know, we went to land speed. So as that happened, also like, you know, the Napster thing happened. So like the way I try to kind of equate it is when we put out our B-Boy document on Eastern Conference Records, you know, with the Jamal Shabazz, you know, photograph on there of the four like B-Boys, we sold like 30, 40,000 of them. Like, and that was us. Like, that's Eastern Conference. Like, you know, we did that. It wasn't Raucous record. And then, like, the next record, like, when Air Force One came out and all that, we would sell, like, 200 records. So it was over. It was like, all you got, all the people who are now, like, 38 and 40, who are, like, 18 and 99 or, like, 19, in that range, that... 16, 17, 18, those were our fans. They were done with paying. Like, unless you were a DJ, now you could listen to a song. You didn't physically have to buy something. So there was like, remember, like 03 and 04, it was a free-for-all. There was no regulation. No one knew how you were going to get paid. And so you just didn't. So I went, I was living in New York City. At first, I lived in this little studio, and then I met my wife, so... I first had a $450 studio. And then in 2003 and four, I was paying $2,700 a month. And that's like paying 5,000 now. So lived in Manhattan. And then it just was like, holy shit. Like this shit is drying up. But it was pretty special when we were there. I mean, not many people got to live that. Right. And so I was like, okay. And look, I went to college you know, I, you know, I wasn't just going to think I was going to have a 50 year rap career. I, you know, I wanted to have a family. So, and like, you know, me and my like best friends, he's like my brother still, it's nothing. wasn't like a breakup or anything. It was like me and my lived from when we were eight years old to 33 in the same city, whether it was Philly, Boston or New York. So it was kind of like, and really, hip hop was about doing it with Milo. He's my best friend. It's like, you know, that was a big part of, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't have had a rap career if me and him didn't do that it together because it was part of our friendship and part of our life. It was our life. So I think just Napster, like, cut it out. It was then 2004. And then, like, I couldn't afford it anymore. So 2005, I moved to Brooklyn. And like, then we were going to have a kid. So then I was like, 
I need to get a job. And then that's when we moved back to Philly. And I, you know, I've like had a real estate career for like 16 years. So it's just life, you know, but that's what happened. So when that shit happened, it was kind of over. But I think I could have done more. I could have been like, yo, you know, let's just keep doing it, doing albums and albums. But I don't, I don't know if I necessarily like that. Well, you, you oh. did a, a, a show five years ago, right? I mean, you yeah, still, yeah. You well, still get been... the itch every once in a while. Oh, yeah. No, and I'll, I'm down to do something, too. Like, Milo's talking about moving back east. You oh, know? yeah? Because like, okay. Las Vegas, you know, he's, he DJed in clubs for, you know, made a lot of money and, and did real well out there. And it's just, you know, part of his talent got him this blessing. And it's just beautiful. So maybe he comes back. Maybe we do something. But, you know. It was, you know, that was a hard time, man. That was, you know, you that's all you knew. You know, mm -hmm. that's all I knew. So it was like, then it was like grow up real quick time. And that's, I guess, what I did. Well, you know, you got to feel proud the fact that uh, that EC name uh, is synonymous with this whole indie era. And, and when you saw an EC record, whether it was on Sandbox or Hip Hop site or underground hip-hop you bought it you bought it because of the track record you bought it because uh the fact that you guys just continuously made bangers yeah. and um like i said earlier in, in the show you know there's labels like ruckus or guess wild abb and, and eastern conferences right there in the same same conversation as being the the powerhouse indie labels that really kind of champion this this indie movement so and and for me personally after the second golden era, like the indie era is probably my second favorite era in hip hop. Right. You know, yeah. I, I love the second golden era, you know, the, the 90 93. to five, 93, 94, 95. Right. And then I love this. I loved uh, hearing cool Keith. And, 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 and I think again, going back, you're like us, you have the same interests. You grew up. Well, I don't know if who's older, you or Dre, probably Dre. I don't know. September, September 71. Eon. I'm 72. You're so older, Dre. There you go. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is, you know, you grew up as a hip-hop aficionado, an enthusiast, a lover, and you got to do something that many of us, exception of Wade, Wade did it for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, couldn't, couldn't even fathom. So so kudos to you. Thank you. And, um, you know, I, I've always wanted to talk to you. Like I said earlier, we usually talk about sports and, and cards yeah. and all that nerd shit, but uh, talking yeah. hip-hop is cool. Yeah, man, I and really appreciate this. And I love this what you guys do, man. It's great. And I, you know, I was like, I, I chilled like since kind of like this year, just because my knee was starting to get jacked up. But like, I listened to y'all, you know, the whole thing running. So I really got oh, wow. running. Okay. Like after like I got divorced in six, like in the 15. And so like, I just like stopped drinking and smoking. Mm -hmm. And like, I just started running and I was like crazy. And so, like, you know, it's been like that. I start smoking again, but and then, <laughs> but uh, that helps but, with the knee, yeah, though. It's good. It's good for running, man. It's good. Yeah. yeah. So, so I hear. Awesome, so man. I hear, man. I well, thank you, thank you again, man. And don't stop your passion with the Eagles. Yeah, Hopefully, uh, be a baseball back soon. The Sixers are about to win the Sixers NBA. are amazing NBA. right now. It's it's it's. it's see if they get past the Bucks. We'll see I if they get past the Bucks. First game, it was awesome, man. And, and a lot of people, you know, that they follow you on uh, IG. You want to give out your, your handle now or if you don't oh, want to give is, out? I think it's E-Melts. E-Melts. E-M-E-L-T-Z. 
And I can I gotta commend you for the for the love and passion you have with your your son. It, it's always nice to see that like a father son yeah, relationship. Yeah. So yeah. so big ups and and what you were saying about Star Wars, uh, I it's the same thing with my son. So I I totally yeah. relate and can appreciate that. You know. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. that's Mister Eon behind the mighty. Guys. Thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. All right, I, I appreciate it, guys. Have a good Thanks, night, bro. Peace. Yo, 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 what's up in the place to be? This is Mr. Eon from Eastern Conference Records, the high and mighty smut peddlers, Dick Starbuck, porno detective in the house. I am chilling with Phila Flavor, Kevlar, A. Aaron, a.k.a. Aaron Wade, and my man, DJ 360, Take It Personal Radio, doing it big, doing it big. You are now in the mix, 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 mix. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for tuning in to another special episode of Take It Personal. Keep it locked. Roger the announcer. O-U-T. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.